0: Well, welcome back everybody, this is FX Medicine, I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook, and we're day three of the BioCerticals Research Symposium. I'm speaking here with Dr. Dominic D'Agostino. Who is? Now, you've done work with the US military, NASA, and you work at the University of South Florida, the Human Mimicum what West <laughs> Department,
1: is that? Well, <laughs> it's the Department of Molecular Pharmacology and Physiology, but I also work at the Institute for Human and Machine Cognition, which is... Uh, exactly what I was gonna yeah, say. Yeah, it's kind of, it bridges a gap between science and application of the science. So So is that something
0: that you started, or is that in place and you came along?
1: Uh, The Institute for Human and Machine Cognition was started by Ken Ford. Mm -hmm. So he was uh, on the Defense Science Board for the president, and also he worked at NASA, he was an executive. So he's a close friend of mine, and he had used the ketogenic diet like years past, but uh, his background is artificial intelligence and DARPA robotics and things like that. But he expanded the institute from robotics Expanding the physiological, uh, the the machine and the human, right? So developing physiological things that can enhance resilience. It's the exoskeleton stuff. The exoskeleton stuff, yeah, and things like that. Yep. Jason Bourne stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Matt yeah, yeah. It stuff. is. is. <laughs> yeah. So you want to be able to build the machine, but also enhance the human's interface with the machine, so the human can work the machine. Well, I'm very
0: interested in the sort of military interest, if you like, that you sort of get the picture that the military is very conservative and then in some cases they'll jump ahead and go, well, we need stuff. So we've got to break out of the mold to get there. Yeah. So where does that interest? Where did the interest start with regards to um, the keto diet and just breaking free of the high carb loading and all that sort of thing?
1: Yeah, uh, mostly from the special operations community. So there's a little, a lot more leverage as far as uh, funding too for special operations community. And then when it comes to NASA, they are interested in fueling the astronaut. Uh, the energy density of the ketogenic diet is about. higher right because fats are nine calories per gram as opposed to carbohydrates and proteins that are you know four calories per gram so if you take an equal size amount of food in a spaceship you can get about 50% you know, more energy. So it's like 10, dollars $20,000 per pound to get something up in space. So the energy density makes sense. But there's also an interest too because of the protection from galactic cosmic radiation or the neuroprotection. Right. So they have an interest. A lot has to happen before this becomes you know, the new space food. But to make it an option for astronauts that are already doing low carb or keto, and many are, to make that an option for space and deep space is something that we're working you know, really hard with them. I love
0: it when you said military community, oh, sorry, special operations community. You sort of have this village of a park with swings. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Different swings. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, there's like the Army Rangers and then the Navy Seals and then like the PJs, the Air Force and things. Those are different communities.
0: And I guess that would have particular relevance with the amount of weight that they'd carry on a mission as well. So practical applications with regards to transporting and surviving a mission.
1: That's right. Yep.
0: So, mechanism of ketones relating to normal EEGs uh-huh. in increased atmospheres. I was really interested when you were talking about that. Yeah. So, not just space, but also diving.
1: Yes, um, for sure. I understand also yeah.
0: that there was some application in recovery, recovery from decompression, is that right? Uh,
1: yeah, so if, there's, if you're decompressing, if you have decompression sickness, one way to reverse decompression sickness is with high pressure oxygen. So if you can expose someone to higher pressure oxygen, if they're in ketosis, you could more therapeutically bring them out of decompression sickness. So that's the idea there. But with high pressure oxygen, like a Navy SEAL diving down or using hyperbaric oxygen therapy, oxygen is a stimulant to the brain. And as we go higher and higher or deeper and deeper, you're producing more and more oxygen-free radicals And if the brain is running on glucose, the metabolism starts to break down and then that can trigger hyperexcitability and a seizure. Uh, In the context of the ketogenic diet, the ketones keep the brain running so efficiently, it makes the brain resilient in the background of that oxidative stress. So even though it's extreme oxidative stress, the brain can continue to function and produce energy and stabilize the brain to normal activity under conditions it would otherwise break down. Is so there con- yeah. is there control of like NMDA or
0: AMDA uh, receptor activity there with calcium yeah. influx, magnesium the- stabilization, that sort of thing?
1: That's right. Yeah. So the uh, we know there's excess glutamate that's contributing to oxygen toxicity seizures, and the blocking the NMDA receptor, the N-methyl-D-aspartate or the AMPA receptors can stop the seizure. You could do that pharmacologically, and that's what we did. Uh, But those drugs cause a lot of problems, right? So you're blocking synaptic transmission. You're blocking the way the brain normally communicates. So the idea is that with the ketogenic diet or even a ketone supplementation, you are literally converting more of that excitatory amino acid, glutamate, to GABA. So the GABA to glutamate ratio goes up considerably. And I've actually measured my neurotransmitters like in the habitat, and I have like four times the amount of GABA relative to, other, to what's normal. Uh, so we did a lot of work in animal models, and it was kind of interesting to reproduce it in some of the human work, too. So you are legitimately you know, converting a potentially excitatory, hyper-excitatory, excitotoxic, neurotransmitter into one that has a brain stabilizing effect. So these are some of the, this is some of the new information that's coming out. I'm um, gonna jump
0: uh, ahead to a question that I had later on cancer mm-hmm. and yep. you know, work with um, uh, Volta Longo looking yeah. at ketogenesis yep. during ke- uh, cancer therapy. Yep. It was interesting what you said there about converting glutamate or, or glutamine to yep. um, uh, GABA. And there yep. was uh, some reasonably recent research pointing to glutamine in cancer cells yeah. As being a growth stimulant,
1: glutamine. Yeah, for sure. The
0: the assumption was that therefore oral glutamine was bad because it was feeding that cancer there, which yeah. isn't. Is, always associate, but yeah. this is very interesting about the conversion to GABA rather than using it as a f- giving them a fuel, if you like. Yeah, yeah. So you'd so be
1: shuttling more. So there's a, a glutamate, you know, glutamine interrelationship, a relationship, right? So they can interconvert to one another. So if you're Diverting more glutamate to GABA, then you can lower the potential intracellular amounts of glutamine. And glutamine, through glutaminolysis, can be used by cancer cells for fuel. But glutamine also becomes an anabolic amino acid to synthesize de novo synthesis of fatty acids that contribute to the expanding biomass of the tumor. So the tumor needs energy to make, you know, lots of ATP to meet the energetic demands. It also needs precursors to basically add more fats to the membrane as more cells are forming. And about 40% of glutamine is being you know, shuttled into uh, fatty acid synthesis to make membranes. So a lot of that glutamine is actually being converted. So we know that the ketogenic diet, especially when it's calorie restricted, can lower the levels of glutamine. Uh, there's also drugs like uh, sodium phenylbutyrate or bufenil, that if you take bufenil, it binds up glutamine and you eliminate it out your urine. So uh, it conjugates it in a way okay. so they can bring the it gut. down. Uh, it conjugates it in the bloodstream. Fine. So sodium phenylbutyrate, it's similar to a ketone, and it conjugates the glutamine to a molecule that can be eliminated. So you can bring your glutamine down um, fairly low. But glutamine is also important for your immune system, and it's also important for your gut. Mm-hmm. So if you drink glutamine, and you've gone through chemotherapy, that can help repair your gut. Very, when you drink glutamine, very little actually gets into your circulation. Because your, your, your gut cells use that for fuel. Your colonocytes can use it for fuel. So you actually absorb very little. If You, you kind of have to give it intravenous. Like burn patients, you can give it intravenous stuff. Um, so to say that glutamine fuels cancer cells, don't give the cancer patient glutamine, that's not completely correct because in some cases it can be very therapeutic. So that needs to be taken into account.
0: Uh, I've been told by a nurse who attended a recent neurology conference that when the ketogenic diet was discussed for use in epilepsy, and she was talking to the neurologists later on, Mm -hmm. um, they said, nice concept, too hard, couldn't be bothered. What's your message to these doctors?
1: Well, uh, the pa- you have to select the patient. The patient and the caretaker, the family, have to be highly motivated. So the family has to be on board for that. That's really, even the, all the clinicians that work in the diet, you know, they, they don't even attempt it uh, with a family who, you know, will not embrace this approach. So that's, that's the first thing. Uh, But I'm really excited about the food companies that are coming out. Like I'm testing a ketogenic chocolate bar. I'm testing a ketogenic brownie. I'm testing ketogenic uh, tequila. Please, tequila. No, actually. Well, you know, there's a company out. I don't know if I try farm wines that actually select about three or four dozen types of wines that have sugar content under two grams. So you can drink them, and I did, I drank all the wines. And then I (laughs) tested my ketones, and I could stay in ketosis drinking up to two glasses of wine a day. Do you need any extra extra test subjects to come (laughs) along
0: with you on a night out, maybe?
1: Yeah, well I keep (laughs) it like under my desk in the lab. (laughs) It is kind of a myth that people, think you have to completely avoid alcohol on a ketogenic diet, and that's not the case because you can stay in ketosis with uh, a dry, like a dry martini, you know, or uh, dry wines. You can actually- um, I
0: must be so in ketosis.
1: Yeah, but (laughs) it's a dose thing too. So once you get above like two, you know, glasses, then you start to lower your ketones. But for most people, you can have, especially one glass a day, I think is fine.
0: I'm gonna cut my last question because I'm sure there's some much better intelligent questions from the audience you had your hand up first can we wait for the can we wait for the microphone please
1: i just have a question on the conversion to gaba because uh, some of the children with autism actually get hyper when you feed them more glutamine and some people even stay away from any supplement with glutamine because in the brain it causes more uh, hyperactivity which probably Mm -hmm. depends on the lack of cofactors for the conversion of glutamine to um, gaba but have you had any um, comments on that? Because you work with normal people, well, normal as in uh, <laughs> healthy people, so to speak, uh, who haven't got the autism. Well, actually, like most of our work is probably in uh, disease population, Angelman syndrome, which is characterized by higher glutamates to GABA. So, uh, and one of the drugs that's very it's used very frequently is vigabatrin. So, vigabatrin actually works through uh, enhancing GABAergic activity. So the ketogenic diet does elevate glutamate because it makes more alpha-ketoglutarate, and that's your precursor, but it quickly shuttles more of the glutamate to GABA by stimulating the activity of glutamic acid decarboxylase. So uh, we can do an assay and it shows a greater amount of that enzyme and a greater activity of that enzyme. So if by changing the neuropharmacology of the brain with the ketogenic diet, you are shuttling more of an excitatory. You need to make the excitatory amino acid to make the inhibitory, but more of it's getting converted over, if that helps. Like. Without adding the um, extra cofactors, or is that in your ketogenic? Magnesium, um, uh, things like the that. The magnesium. Uh, so I'm a big fan of, of magnesium, and I think it should be included. It was like one of the supplements. Which form? Within, Uh, So magnesium glycinate is pretty good, Uh, magnesium uh, citrate, uh, magnesium chloride was the first one I used because my magnesium levels, uh, it was one of the first things that came out out of range. It was normal. So I started supplementing with magnesium chloride and that got me back into normal range. But now I use a a combination of magnesium citrate and malate, I think. And it comes in like a yeah. Yeah. mm -hmm one over here you uh you
0: mentioned during your main presentation the um uh you touched on intermittent fasting or time-restricted eating mm-hmm. and i'm just wondering about the crossover between ketogenic diet as a ongoing diet versus the benefits of fasting or time-restricted eating and do you see the yeah. same benefits from both or even you know that i guess you can combine the two together but do you have to
1: Yeah, that's a good question. There are some people who just cannot follow the ketogenic diet. And I know some people that they even have epilepsy. And if they do, they could get off the ketogenic diet, but do intermittent fasting. Say, for example, eat within a four hour window from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m., and they can manage their epilepsy eating low carb, you know, 70 to 100 grams a day, just fibrous vegetables and things like that. Uh This has not been studied. It's anecdotally, you know, we've seen, but we know that if your body is fat adapted and adapted to the ketogenic diet and you do intermittent fasting, it's much, much easier because your body's already adapted to using ketones for fuel. I think the combination, I think doing ketogenic intermittent fasting could be, give you all the benefits. If you're using, especially for a medical therapy, I think that could, that could work. And even John, like even the mainstream neurologists who are advocating this are even getting their patients to start doing intermittent fasting. Like this was not even a term, you know, back five, five six years ago even. And now the clinical community sees that there are a lot of benefits to doing intermittent fasting. Um, so I think the two together could be optional uh, or, or optimal and you could do one or the other, but when combined together, I think it it works really good when combined together. Um, Some people ask, well, can I eat fat or even take ketone supplements during the day? My feeling is that as long as you're keeping your glucose down and your ketones up and kind of staying in that metabolic zone, whatever strategy you use during that fasting period, I would call it a modified intermittent fasting, as long as you're keeping in that therapeutic range and if you're getting calories, that could work, yeah.
0: Before the mic goes to them, I'm gonna ask another quick question. You're yeah. talking about not everybody can stick to the diet. Do you pick yeah. personality types, like for instance, disciplined athletes versus people with the discipline of a mushroom?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good point. Uh, I thought well, so. Well, you need to like, do things like track your macros. So one of the first patients that contacted me was from the UK. His name was uh, Mike Dancer. So uh, and now he's the poster child for Matthew's Friends. Matthew's Friends is the, uh, the European equivalent of the Charlie Foundation here. So Mike was really into fitness, so he already tracked everything. He already tracked all his macronutrients. <laughs> So when he learned about the diet, he was already on about a half dozen anti-convulsant drugs. And it was going to go in to have part of his hippocampus removed because it was for me. So before he did that, uh, I had connected with him and said, Mike, look at these papers, look at, you know, connect with these people. You might want to try this. So he did it and it worked remarkably well. He got he cold turkey, went off all of his medication. I included him in my TED talk even. And it was so easy for him because he was already doing it. So he was already tracking yeah. his macros as an athlete, as like a fitness guy, he was already doing that. So he just, you know, shifted his macronutrients and did the same tracking. And uh, and he does the modified form of the ketogenic diet. And it was very easy for him. Uh, it can be for the typical parents that want to put their kid on it. It can be very overwhelming, but there's so many tools out there, and now there's foods emerging on the market where the child does not feel ostracized, or the adult does not feel you know ostracized yeah. Yeah. that they can actually eat a lot of these uh, a lot of these comfort foods and, yep. and stick and with be the diet. Yeah, inclusive rather than yep. exclusive. Yeah. Yep.
0: There's one last question over here. Yep. Hi. Yep. Um, In our practice, we see day-to-day a lot of um, subclinical hypothyroid patients. And, of course, they're often the ones that are overweight um, and fatigued. And so, of course, a diet like this would seemingly seem appropriate. But subclinical insulin resistance, I think, Mm -hmm. is a big problem. So is the advice still to do the lifestyle medicine to support Adrenal fatigue and address the subclinical hypothyroidism first mm-hmm. before you can get them on. Or have you got some hot tips to get them on faster?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I would correct their hormones, you know, and find out what's. So there's a couple things that can can really impact thyroid: calorie restriction, over exercising, over exercise. These are like classical things that I see over and over again, and. Um, Sleep too, so a lack of sleep like if you if those three things are optimized and they're still their thyroids still low, then you might want to you know start supplementing. but I, I think you know intermittent fasting can kind of quickly correct a lot of these metabolic dysregulation and uh, get the gut microbiome healthy again. Uh, I think intermittent fasting can help with that um, get them on a good probiotic. So fix a couple of like the obvious things, you know, a lot of people over-exercise and it pushes their thyroid down. You know, I've seen it in myself. My thyroid has always been normal, but when I did like crazy one week of fasting and, and then I was like, well, my, my T3 was low. So T3, to, uh, T4 to T3 conversion goes down. Uh, your body's very sensitive to that. So correct some of those things and first and then, uh, yeah, but carbohydrate restriction, doesn't have to be ketogenic diet, intermittent fasting. These things are very powerful for resetting insulin resistance or resetting insulin sensitivity.
0: And with that, we have to end. Could I please ask everybody to give Dr. Dominic D'Agostino a rousing applause. You can find all the videos from the FX Medicine Live stage at the 6th Bioceuticals Research Symposium in Melbourne by going to the FX Medicine website and clicking on Industry Insights under the Community tab.